Hello, this is Daniel Poppy, pastor at Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message will help you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, you can do so by visiting theroadfc.org and click on the giving link. Raise your hand if you came to the pumpkin painting party a few weeks ago. It was so fun. Um, to prepare for that, I loaded up my Subaru, who we lovingly call Ruby, and filled it with hay bales, corn stalks, and a significant amount of small pumpkins. And it was messy, and it smelled, and I got allergies. Well, I thought I did, but it was the start of a cold. It was unfortunate timing, but it was so fun. And those decorations are still outside in that little nook. So make sure you guys go out for a family picture on your phone so that you can show everybody that you have done the harvesting of the season and look like you just completed your fall harvest with all those fall things. It's your proof that you love fall. So make sure you guys go over and use that. Make all my car vacuuming worth it. <laughs> Speaking of harvest, um, we are going to look into the parable of the weeds and the wheat today. And maybe if you know that story, you're thinking, who asked her to speak about weeds? Because that's a fair concern, because last time I preached, I kind of ranted for a while about HOAs and weeds. Um, <laughs> But I promise, sorry about that, I promise not to do that again today. My HOA jokes will be limited. Um, but let's all turn to our Bibles, Matthew chapter 13, and we'll begin at verse 24. You can use a pew or phone Bible, you can follow along on the screen, or you can just simply listen. So we are going to read Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, and then verses 36 through uh, 43. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to someone who sowed good seed in his field. But while everybody was asleep, an enemy came and sowed, sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the, seeds, or then the weeds appeared as well. And the slaves of the householder came and said to him, Master, do you not sow good seed in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? He answered, an enemy has done this. I love how dramatic that is. The slaves said to him, then do you want us to go and gather them? But he replied, no, for in gathering the weeds, you would uproot the wheat along with them. Let both of them grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, collect the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. Then he left the crowds and went into the house. And his disciples approached him saying, explain to us the parable of the weeds of the field. He answered, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the children of the evil one, and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers are angels. Just as the weeds are collected and burned up with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. 
The Son of Man will send his angels, and they will collect out of his kingdom all causes of sin and evildoers, and they will throw them into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Let anyone with ears listen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This summer, when it started to get hot out, I closed my curtains because our house gets really, really hot. Our air conditioner could work a little bit better. Um, But the next time I opened them, after an undisclosed amount of time, um, I discovered that my yard was bursting with healthy weeds. Um, Maybe you've experienced that too. I went out to pick them and then realized a problem in my veggie garden. Um, Instead of planting in rows like normal, um, I decided to get a little creative and I planted more randomly for it to be like a flower garden type thing. Like, that's how the English gardeners do it, right? Like Monty Don, that's how he does that. So I thought it was clever and I didn't mark the seeds because I thought that would be tedious because they were all over. (laughs) And then I've also planted new plants that I've never grown from seed before. So I didn't know what they looked like. (laughs) So I I couldn't really um, tell which ones should be picked and which ones should be left. (laughs) It was um, a problem. So I decided to wait until the plants and the weeds were bigger so I wouldn't pull the wrong ones. It was hard to wait. It did not look pretty. Rose would say, Mama, why did you plant weeds? I didn't. And then I'd open up the curtains and I'd look out with a frustrated face and say, an enemy has done this. (laughs) Just kidding. I embellished that a little. But waiting is hard. A farmer waits for harvest time. And when I think really hard about that, it might be like the hardest kind of waiting because so much could go wrong and so much could go right, and it's impossible to predict, and the livelihood of the farmer and all their workers depend on that, and like the people who need to eat depend on that. Like it just seems like maybe the hardest waiting. There's other hard waiting too. We wait for Christmas break. It's coming, it's coming. We wait for Halloween and all the candy we're about to stuff into our face. We wait for the yeast to work through your bread. And you wait when you're looking into the oven, watching your cookies bake, thinking about how good they're going to be when they're hot and gooey, and how you're going to sneak them and eat them all before your toddlers wake up. (laughs) And we also wait for God to make all things new. God's kingdom is breaking into our world. Jesus defeated death and is redeeming all things. The work has begun, but we still wait because there's still so much work. It is not fully accomplished. We wait and we wait and we wait. We know redemption is happening, but we also see all the ways that need to be made new. (laughs) There's the ache of death, oppression and enslavement, greed, selfishness, hate, abuse. There's so many forms of evil, so much sadness and suffering If we were to make a thorough list of all the stuff still going wrong that God needs to be making right, it would be a pretty big list. And it would feel overwhelming and maybe a little discouraging. Maybe the wait is painful 
and uncomfortable. Maybe we can't stand it so that we just have to go and do stuff ourselves, right? Uh, we need to stop the bad things, and we need to do more to keep things good. And it's all up to us. I think I missed a page. Excuse me. Nope. Okay. We want to do some weeding so that the field is just the wheat. Maybe we feel like that would prove God's goodness. Or maybe we are worried that the weeds would tarnish the gospel. The servants in the parable wanted to defend the field. They were ready to go right out and pick the wild weeds. They were ready to take control. They wanted to make it right because what was the master even doing? Planting the seeds for the weeds? That really, that part has continually made me laugh all week long while I've been working on this. When they just like, did you do that? Did you plant good seed? Where did you get that from? <laughs> but the master held them back from picking those weeds. The master freed them of their desire to control the situation. If they had gone out to pick the weeds, the wheat would have gotten pulled up too. And the master was confident that it was best to let the weeds and the wheat grow together and didn't want to harvest too soon. The weeds will be destroyed at the right time and the harvest will still be a success. The parable promises that God will make every wrong thing right and that we do not need to try to control the situation. It's not that we aren't living faithfully in the world. We are not just letting evils keep happening. We are not sitting back and doing nothing about suffering. It's just that it's not all up to us and it's not hopeless. We are not the judge of who is the wheat and the weeds. We are partners with God and God is at work. The evil that opposes the gospel is not permanent and it's not in control. Even when it does feel overwhelming, this parable reminds us that evil will not last. God will prevail. The fiery imagery in the scripture that illustrates the end of evil can be tough to read in our time because of our rapture theology um, that has heavily impacted um, the teachings in the church in a very unhealthy way. We might be reminded of preachers who have used fear to get people to convert. We might remember the play Heaven's Gates Hell's Flames from when you were a kid. <laughs> so scary and so terrible. We won't talk any more about it because if you don't know what I'm talking about, you don't need to know. You're better off for it. But we all have those things that might come up as we read the scripture. Um, there can be a lot of very unhelpful and unhealthy ideas and sermons about the end times. And it can be confusing, and it can misrepresent God to be cruel or apathetic. But whenever we are trying to understand God, always weigh it with what you already know to be true about God. And what we know is that God is love. Matthew is using drastic imagery uh, to demonstrate that God will prevail over evil. It is meant to encourage his disciples that though they wait for the renewal of all things and the wait is hard, God will prevail over evil. 
It gives us permission to let go of deciding who is the weed and who is the wheat. Instead of approaching the scripture with fear, I want you to try to see the scripture as good news, that evil will not last and that God will prevail. I don't know about you guys, but I think it's challenging for us to hear that we are not responsible for weeding the field. Letting go of control is hard. I don't know if anyone else struggles with that, um, but we aren't able to differentiate between the weeds and the wheat, between the good and the bad, between the righteous and the sinners. It is not our job to judge or to make assumptions, but we can be very good at that, can't we? When we judge others, we begin harming people who are made in the image of God. It is not just a churchy thing to do this. Everyone does it. When we judge people, we start to see ourselves as better than others and put up walls deciding who is in and who is out. And this can lead to oppression and other evils. We essentially just become the thing that we are trying to fix. Uh, we might be judging others, trying to figure out who is God's ray of sunshine and who is a terrible sinner. We might put up boundaries to decide who is welcome here and who is not. We might treat people differently based on their appearance or their beliefs or their gender. We may exclude others out of good things, like who gets good health care and who doesn't. What places are accessible for people? And we tend to include people who are like ourselves instead of those who are different from us. We might judge based on clothes, skin color, or what our bodies are able to do, how much power, money, or influence we have. When we start to see ourselves as better than others, we're excluding people and setting up boundaries, it harms the people made in God's image, the people who God loves. David Roberts says, imagine how different our world, even our churches would be, if every time we saw something that we didn't think belonged, every time we perceived a weed among the wheat, we took the master's attitude rather than the servant's. What if we took the master's approach and let the weeds and the wheat grow together? It's the opposite of building walls and drawing borders or deciding who is in and who's out. Those who would otherwise be separated from each other now grow together and the lines and boundaries are erased. Think about the change in growth together and what that could mean. How could our faithful living partnered with God doing his work on earth, impact those around us. The dandelion is mostly known as a weed. HOAs are against them in a very intense way. Every spring, I get an email from the HOA, show no mercy, spray the weeds, spray now, so you don't have to pick later, that they really tell us to spray our weeds. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's bad advice. It's also good advice if you don't want weeds, but okay, anyway. Um, I promised I wouldn't get carried away. <laughs> so your neighborhood frantically tries to not have a single dandelion. And we sacrifice those dandelions to the HOA to achieve the perfect lawn and avoid fines. 
But what makes a dandelion a weed, aside from power-hungry HOAs trying to make a buck off you, is really just a border. I'm, I'm not fulfilling my promise. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. But really, the only thing that separates it as a weed is that it's outside of a border. You didn't do it intentionally, and you're not trying to cultivate it. But have you ever seen a grassy field full of dandelions? It's so beautiful. It's a wonderful thing to see. And dandelions are actually really good. Um, they feed the bees early in the spring before other flowers are blooming. Um, and bees are like the best thing ever. They're super important. Um, they, they make the best little gifts from little kids. Um, they can be used for tea and salad. You can wipe them on your friend's arm and leave a yellow mark, and, um, which is pretty cool if you're young and love bathroom humor. I don't know if anyone else did that, but I'm not going to teach your kids that rhyme. You're welcome. Um, and you can, it's really fun to blow the little seeds all over the place to spread the love, right? <laughs> Dandelions are fantastic. Weeds might actually be fantastic. The love, care, and enjoyment and cultivation of the dandelion really changes our perspective from seeing it as an evil weed to seeing it as an important plant. The parable portrays this farmer as thoughtful, caring, and intentional in letting the weeds and the wheat grow together. The farmer is planning to take care of the weeds. He'd have to in order to take care of the wheat since he's not going to pick the weeds. I wonder what that means for the weeds. Maybe the distinction between a weed and a plant is not as clear as we might assume. Maybe the weeds can transform into wheat. This is where the, par or where the parable doesn't really like play out in real life, like, but use your imagination here. So maybe the weeds transform into wheat. What does this mean for the people who are growing together? Maybe the love and compassion people receive will open them to the transformative love of God. I wonder how we can grow together instead of deciding who's in or who is out. A dandelion being a weed or a plant is just a matter of perspective. I wonder who you, who you might grow with and learn more about. I wonder how you might discover to support each other as you start to understand each other. A harvest is about feeding people and sustaining life. It's cherished and celebrated. It bonds the community together, and it offers support in the community. At harvest, no one cares about the weeds anymore. This is a parable of harvest and a parable of good news. I want to share the quote with you again from David Roberts. Imagine how different our world, even our churches, would be if every time we saw something that we didn't think belonged, every time we perceived a weed among the wheat, we took the master's attitude rather than the servant's. As we prepare to receive communion, let's reflect on the idea, on that idea, and how instead of gatekeeping, we might grow together.